I will do is I'll, I'll play you some music, okay? That's the, the first thing we're going to do today. Um, little quiz, pop quiz, to see who was particularly tuned in to um, the worship music scene around about 2010, 2012, something like that, okay? So the guys at the back are going to play a song, and the first person to guess the name of the track accurately wins a Terry's Chocolate Orange Bar. No expense spared. All right, so let's see how you go. Nope. <laughs> no, not delirious. Yes, yes, yes. We have a winner. It's one of, the, one of the worship team. You would expect one of the worship team to get it. Well done, Bethany. The song is called Come Away by um, Jesus Culture. And that was a, a, one of my absolute favorite songs of around about that time. Well, my, my microphone sounds really weird, doesn't it? Or does it? It just sounds weird to me. I'm just weird. Okay, we'll move on. Um, yeah, it was one of those songs that I remember when this song came out, it kind of shifted something in the, in the worship culture of the time because to my knowledge, up to that point, pretty much every worship song had been us to God, telling us who he is and what he's like and how grateful we are, which is wonderful, and of course you want to do that. But this song flips it. This is a, a song that the Lord sings over his people, calling you and I, to come away with him. And it goes on to say, you know, it's never too late. It's not too late, not too late for you. I have a plan for you. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be full of me. This is the Lord singing over his people, inviting us to step into the glory that he has in his heart and in his, in his imagination for us, his people. And it kind of just turned things on its head. And I remember for myself in that moment, it, it, it sort of raised up something in me of, of recognizing, wow, this is, the, this is the passionate love that the Father has for me. It's not just that I think he's amazing, but actually he thinks I'm amazing. He thinks you're amazing. He is passionate to spend time with you, and he wants to call to you in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your day, whatever it is that you're giving yourself to, and he says, come away with me. Come away with me. He wants, he wants to spend time with you. The king of all majesty, the one who speaks the words and stars are born in the universe, wants to spend time with you. That, that is a, a bit of a mind-bending thought, isn't it? And the, the, the image that I could kind of come up with in the, the time that I had, I'm not the, the greatest graphic designer in the world, but, you know, wanted to, to get hold of something to, encapture, to capture for us today, the sense that God has opened a door for us. And he says, I want you to step in. I, I love you so much that I have made a way. I've opened the door through Jesus Christ. I want you to come and spend time with me. And so we get this, this concept of the door open into our darkness, 
into the cold places of our lives, into our brokenness, and there is glory on the other side. There is something, it's, it's undefined because our Father is eternal and He is beyond description, but there is glory out there and He is saying to you, come away with me. Come into my reality. Put your hand in my hand. Come with me. Now this is, this is what, I suppose at one level, this is what it means to be a Christian. It is, to be a Christian is, is to be someone who has responded to the invitation of heaven into eternal life. And we have stepped into that space with Jesus, put our faith in him, said, Jesus, you are my Lord. I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you, knowing that you are going to lead me into glory. Glory in eternity, but glory in my relationship with you even today. That's, that's kind of what, what it means to be a Christian. And we then get to live in this world together with him, that the glory of heaven, the door of heaven continues to be open through us into the lives of people around us. As you guys go out on the streets of Bishop Stortford, you are an open doorway for heaven to come into people's lives through simple things like flip-flops. Who'd have thought? You know? But just loving people, caring for people, is, is a way in which the doorway of heaven's glory comes and impacts at a very practical level the, the, the person on the street on a Saturday night, on a Friday night, whenever it may be. Your coworker across the desk in the office, your children around the dinner table in the evening, wherever it may be, you are a living doorway. Isn't it Psalm 24 that says, lift up your heads, you ancient doorways, you ancient gateways that the king of glory may come in? And his, his hunger, his passion is that every day, his glory will pour through you and out from your life into the lives of people around you. He's full of glory, and he is hungry to share it with you. And he says, because of Jesus, you are a worthy bearer of my glory. You are a worthy conduit of my glory. I will pour my spirit into you and through you and bring impact for my kingdom all around now, this is obviously, we, we're aware of it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. People often think this is a, 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 of this as an evangelistic passage where Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, of course, that applies if you've never trusted Jesus before. And if you've never trusted Jesus before, if you've never opened that door today, well, then today could be that day. But it also applies to every one of us if we've been Christians for decades, decades, because he comes to us every moment of every day. And he says, I'm not interested simply in the one and a half hours that you are at community church on a Sunday morning. I want to open, I want to invite you to open the door of your life to me every moment of your week, in your workplace, at home, wherever you are. There is no place that he does not want to go. Because Jesus says again and again and again, he says, my kingdom has drawn near. When you look through um, the, the gospels in the New Testament, you look for how much Jesus speaks about his kingdom. Again and again, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has drawn near. The kingdom of God is upon you. 
The idea is that for every one of us, no matter what day of the week it is, we can reach out our hand and we know that the kingdom of God is right there. When the person um, in, in the queue, wherever, whatever queue that might be, I was queuing to get on an airplane to come back from Northern Ireland on Friday night, and the person, I'm just, just thinking, no, I didn't do this at the time, silly me, but the person next to me, if I put my hand out, the kingdom of God encompasses where they are because the kingdom of God dwells inside of me. Yeah? He wants us to have that mindset. 52 times he speaks of the kingdom in Matthew, 16 in Mark, 42 in Luke, four times in John. Jesus wants us, his people, to get this idea that his kingdom has come amongst us. Now, we don't see it yet in its fullness, but the promise is there for us to expect an ever-increasing outpouring of his presence as we partner with him, as we walk with him. The kingdom of God is at hand. This was Jesus' message. And our call is to display his dominion and his glory wherever we go. To display his glory. And that picks up one of the elements of our church vision statement. We talk of ourselves as being the family of God in the presence of God, displaying the glory of God. You see, it's, it's fine to be family and to be in the presence of God, and that's wonderful. It's what we're doing today. We're enjoying his presence. We're being family, but it must not stop there. Otherwise, we just end up as a little bless me club. We have that nice kind of warm, fuzzy feeling on a Sunday morning, and then we go back into our week. We are called to display the glory of God everywhere we go, every day of the week. But what is glory? What is glory? It's a difficult one. I remember a few months ago, Nicola um, asked me that exact question, and I hadn't really got an answer. She was reading something or, or had been listening to something and was really provoked by this thing of, well, what, what is glory? We, we, can, we, we pray, Lord, show us your glory. Well, what is your glory? And so she asked me, because, of course, I'm the fount of all knowledge in our household, and I had no idea. I started by saying, well, I remember one time I was climbing a mountain and I got over this, this ridge and there was this beautiful, this, you know, the, the glory of God was there. And she says, no, 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 no. I don't want to know what the glory of God is like. I want to know what it is. I'm like, um, well, maybe it's like, no. And she stopped me again. No, it's not like. I don't want to know comparisons. I want to know what the glory of God is. How do you express the glory of God? So we started digging around trying to find an answer to this question. We, we're praying for the glory, but what is the glory? And um, we managed to find something online from John Piper, who's a, an American theologian and pastor, and he writes this. I think this is a bit breathtaking. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. It is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is the going public of his holiness. The manifold perfections of God. The manifold perfections of his holiness on display, gone public. So when you walk the streets of Bishop Stortford, you are displaying his glory because you are taking his holiness, his desire for perfection, and you're making it public. You're making it, you're, you're putting legs on it. You're making it real for people. 
And this world is crying out for glory, but for the vast majority of people, glory is just this kind of weird word that people who go to church use, and we've got no tangible expression of what it is. But we have the commission of God to display his glory. It's what he wants us to do in the way that we live, to display his manifold perfections everywhere we go. No matter what darkness you're co-worker is experiencing, no matter what hardship uh, is, is going on in the, in the environment around you, you and I, as carriers of his glory, get to express something of the perfection of Jesus that the world is longing to see. It's why we do Crafty Christmas, not because we love craft, although some of us do, don't really understand that, but we do crafty Christmas because we want people to understand the perfection of Jesus and how much he loves every single one of those people. It's why we, it's why we go through the Christmas, we do carol services, we do all the stuff that's coming up in this next season because we want the world to get a glimpse of glory that will cause them to go further and to open the door and to step into eternal life. Because we've tasted, we've seen that he is good, we've seen that he is worthy, but the world around us has not. And I've, I'm sure, like me, you've, you've, you can think of people who just haven't got a grid for the glory of Jesus. I was at a funeral recently, and you see people who have no frame of reference for eternal life. And there is just hopelessness, and there's sadness, and it's, it's a heavy, mournful day. And yet you're in the same room with people who know that the person who has passed is in glory, experiencing the manifold perfections and beauty of his holiness. And you know that this is not only a somber moment, this is also a moment of profound joy because it is, it, it's our eternal home. We're celebrating the fact that this loved one is now in eternal beauty and perfection, unspeakable. This is what our world needs to get hold of. We're not meant to just have a quiet warm, fuzzy. We're supposed to be a, a community brimming with testimony which brings him glory. Brimming with testimony of his glory which brings him glory. And I tell you this, there is a vast variety even within this room because I, as I walk with a number of you reasonably closely in different seasons, I know that there are people in this room who are dealing with difficult diagnosis and yet they are walking absolutely faithfully joyfully, expectantly in Jesus, worshiping him. I know that there are people who have lost loved ones. I know that there are people in broken relationships and for whom family life is incredibly difficult, and yet there is joy in their hearts. There is, there is confidence. There is hope. There is, there is the, the, the buzz of life, eternal life that holds them, and it is a, it is a testimony of perseverance in darkness that the world does not have. The world just gets beaten down by that stuff. But because you and I carry Jesus within us, we walk with hope. 
with dignity, with joy, with grace. And so there's testimony of perseverance. And yet also there is testimony of breakthrough. And we get to be that kind of community where, like Abby shared this morning, persistent migraine, which required her to very carefully manage her diet, lifted off and restored to fullness of life. Now that is a moment of breakthrough, but we also have those testimonies of persistence. And it's the persistence that keeps us going till we get the breakthrough. And it's the testimonies of breakthrough that give us strength to keep persisting. And that is the beauty of the whole community of God. I, I want to tell you a, a, a ridiculous breakthrough story. Like this is a miraculous miracle. There, there, are, there are some, some like that that you just go, what? I was with a friend last week and, and he, he was telling me about, uh, he's a GP and his friend is an anesthetist and uh, this guy and his wife were having their second child. And their first child was about two, between two and three years old. The, 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 the mom was pregnant with their second child and they went for a scan and this little fetus inside her was developed only as far as its pelvis. There was nothing beyond its pelvis. And the doctors were immediately talking about the complications and the difficulties that were likely. And that this, this really is one of those situations they were saying where we, we would recommend you consider termination. And it was just looking hopeless. But this guy and his wife were people of faith and they took their situation to their community. And they said, will you pray with us? Will you tell us what you feel God is saying? And from that community, one of the, one of the people had a dream and in that dream, she saw the two-year-old child drawing a picture of a little baby inside its mother with fully formed legs. And so the couple, with this baby inside, got with their two, two to three-year-old and said, look, this is what somebody's told us. Shall we draw a picture? And the little kid drew this picture of the mum, little stick figure, you know, mum with a little baby inside with two perfectly formed legs. They went back for their scan. Um, ooh. Just a, a few months, I think it was a couple of months ago, they went back for a second scan to determine what to do next. And they sat in with the ultrasound technician and saw on the screen this little baby still developed only to its pelvis. And then as they watched, as they watched the screen, two little buds formed at the pelvis. And they literally watched on the ultrasound as femurs grew. And they, they were gobsmacked. As you can imagine, I'm gobsmacked telling a story. I don't even know them. They watched the legs begin to grow. And the amazing thing, it's kind of a little bit sad, really. But the, the unfortunate thing is, this was just a, a regular ultrasound appointment. And the ultrasound technician, even though she was blown away, she said, look, I, I, I'm going to have to stop. We haven't got time to watch anymore. And they literally got to the point where the femurs had grown to their knees. And that's where they had to stop their appointment. Oh. So this little one is going to be born sometime this month. And the family are believing that Jesus has fulfilled his word and created legs for their little child. Now that is a story of incredible breakthrough that only Jesus can do. But I want to underline to us today as well, only Jesus can hold someone through the dark night of the soul. 
Only Jesus can hold someone who has just experienced profound loss. Only Jesus can hold someone in a place of testimony and joy when they are facing a diagnosis of something life-threatening. And we need to, to be a community that holds both and we display his glory through the testimonies of perseverance and we display his glory through the testimonies of breakthrough and we encourage one another. But Jesus has called us to be a people who fulfill his commission and display his glory. His commission for us, one of the several commissions in scripture that he gives us, is that we, his people, will heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as you have freely received. Jesus gives us a commission that he expects us to be able to deliver through his power. And that's why we have testimonies like the one I've just shared like the one that Abby just shared at the start of our meeting today. Because it's commissioned from heaven. It is spoken with the same voice that sets stars in space. And when that voice speaks and says, let there be life, then there is life. Yeah? But he calls us to have expectation as we walk the streets on a Saturday night to see the sick healed, the dead raised, those with leprosy cured. Now, leprosy, a funny thing in New Testament times. Leprosy was, obviously, we're, we're healing the sick and we're curing those with leprosy. Now, that kind of feels like the same thing to me. But leprosy in those days was clearly a social disease that pushed people to the edges of society and covered them in shame. So I think what that's speaking about is actually that we draw people out of the shadows, out of the gutter, and we give them dignity, and we give them a place where they know that they are loved and cared for. So this is our commission to carry his glory, to show the world his manifest perfections. Do you and I experience that all the time? No, we don't. We've got to be real about this. And thankfully, Scripture is pretty real as well when it comes to, to these things. Because we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. He has shown us a model that we are to attend towards and to believe for, but he invites us to walk and to journey with him. And we see in scripture in places like Matthew chapter nine, where Jesus was up the mountain, his disciples were down in the valley, and a man brings his child who is demon-possessed to the disciples, and he says to, to the disciples, can you cure him? Can you cast out the demon? And the, the disciples try. They've been the closest ones to Jesus for you know, two or three years, and they've walked with him, and they've seen Jesus do it, and they're like, yeah, we'll have a go. Let's, let's step up to the plate. Let's see what we can do. And they fail dismally. And then Jesus comes, and in a word, he rebukes the demon, casts it out, restores the boy completely, and gives him back to his father. Now, the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, Jesus, why? Why could it not work for us? Why could we not do it? What did Jesus say in that moment? He said, well, this kind only come out when I do it. No, he didn't say that at all. He didn't say it's down to the fact that I'm Jesus and you're not and don't, don't get above your station. He said to them, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Now, some versions of, of that passage of Scripture say prayer. Some say prayer and fasting. The point is, the New Testament community was a community that gave itself to prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. They rarely, if ever, did one without the other. They were, 
they were so locked in to connecting to their father through prayer and fasting that you say prayer, you mean prayer and fasting. Of course you do, because it's just part of life. I had a great conversation with a couple of our Nigerian members who assured me that, yeah, it's just part of life. I'm like, oh, really? Challenge. But in Mark chapter 9, Jesus doesn't pray. Jesus doesn't fast. When the, when the father comes to him and says, hey, your disciples couldn't cast out this demon, uh, Jesus doesn't say, well, well, just hold on a minute. I'm going to go over here and pray for five minutes, and, and then I'll come back to you. We don't see him pray. We just see him command, out, be released. Jesus stood in authority. And so what he's doing in this moment when he's saying to his disciples is, this kind come out when you stand in the authority that is yours because you have cultivated intimacy with the Father through a lifestyle of communion, prayer, and fasting, drawing close, knowing who the Father says you are. And so there's an invitation in this for you and for me to be a people who are consistently drawing close to our Father through prayer and fasting so that in those moments when you are faced with, I don't know how many, how many of you are faced with a demonically oppressed child. I tell you what, it happens it happens in this part of the world. It happens all over the world. Perhaps we think of it as something that only happens on the far side of the world, but believe me, it's right here. And when you are faced with that moment of bringing, bringing the glory, the perfection of Jesus, you, are, you stand in a place of authority. You know that you have been called. See, Jesus' intimacy with his Father cultivated by prayer and fasting, enabled him to act with spiritual authority. It was obviously his expectation that his disciples would be doing likewise. It is Jesus' expectation that you and I walk this world this week knowing that we have been commissioned to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me. As we step into this Christmas season, our expectation is not only that people will make nice craft things and that they'll experience a nice Christmas concert, but that they will encounter the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and that they will know that their life will never be the same again. On our Tuesday evening prayer meetings a couple of weeks ago, we were praying and we were saying, Lord, you know that part of scripture, I can't remember where it is now, but I think it's in Corinthians, where, where it says, when the unbeliever comes amongst you, they will fall on their faces and cry out, surely God is in this place. What if 650 people came to Crafty Christmas, fell on their faces and said, surely God is in this place? Do you think that might be on the heart of the Father? Or do you think he'd like to send them home with a nice little Santa Claus to stick on the mantelpiece? Now he wants this town to know the reality of his power and to walk free from whatever chains have bound them. He wants you and I to be people who, who dispense his glory, his manifold perfections, because you and I know that we stand in the authority of Jesus. That is why we are invited 
in this series that we're doing at the moment on fasting. That's why we are invited to fast. It's not so we can tick a box and say, oh yes, I fast, I fast, I'm a good Christian. No, it's not about that. You're a good Christian because Jesus is perfect and all of his perfection is now yours. That's what makes you good. But when you give yourself to a lifestyle of drawing close to him, looking him in the eye, worshiping him, loving him, thanking him for the new creation that he has made you, then you walk the streets, you sit in your office with a different mindset ready. My niece is a um, paramedic. And she recently had to deal with a situation where a guy in his 60s fell backwards down an escalator. Blood everywhere. Now, she arrived on the scene, and surprisingly, she didn't pick up her mobile phone and call head office and say, excuse me, I just want to check, am I authorized? Am I all right to get involved in this? Because it's been a while. Um, Can I do that? Can you imagine what the response would be? But how often do we do that? When we see someone in spiritual bloodshed and we, we, we resort to, oh, oh, I don't know, maybe somebody else could do it, maybe somebody else. No. You walk with the authority of Jesus. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, bring freedom, bring the freedom of the kingdom because you and I walk in the glory of the kingdom. In the first service, somebody shared this this scripture. And I just want to underline something for us here. This is how we access the promises of God through prayer and fasting. We we know the song. You know, all his promises are yes and amen. We sing it. We love it. I love it. It's a cracking song. I just want to underline something for us. The first part of the verse down the left-hand side of the screen says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Jesus has done it all. Every promise is fulfilled. And if you imagine it, like I've tried to draw it on the screen here for us, every one of God's promises are now encircling the earth, just looking for that landing point, looking for where the people of God will reach up and draw down that solution from heaven. The answers are there. They're all yes. They're ready for us. But God from the start has always said, I am looking for a people who will partner with me. I'm looking for a people who will call on my name, who will reach out to me and lay hold of the promises and pull them down to earth. And so this is how prayer and fasting, accessing heaven, works in tandem with his promises. He gives us his promises. We connect it with our amen through Christ. Our amen, which means yes, ascends to God, gets hold of that promise and pulls it into reality. It's like two-part epoxy, if you've ever used that. It's that glue stuff. You know, there's a tube with an A on it and a tube with a B on it, and you kind of put a squirt of that and a squirt of that, and you mix it together, and suddenly you've got something that is powerful. This is how God's kingdom comes on earth. We pray. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm anchored on the earth, and I lift up one hand, and I lay hold of heaven through prayer. And then the power of fasting is this. I let go of earth. I let go of the things that attach me to this broken planet and I'm able to say, yes, Lord, bring your promises down. God's called us to be a people of prayer, a people who connect to his glory and see heaven released on earth. He's called us to be a people of prayer. 
He's called us to believe that it is his heartbeat for his glory to touch this earth and to bring transformation for his name's sake. And a little bit of shameless advertising. We, we're in 10 days' time, Tuesday the 21st of November, we are calling our church to come together on the, in the evening to pray, to worship, to prophesy, to spend time in his presence, to love him, to express to him, Father, we see that all power in heaven and on earth belongs to you. We want to lay hold of your kingdom and draw in the glory that you desire for us. Because he's put us here to display his glory, not just to have a nice time. So I just want to invite you to come. Come and lay hold of him together with us. There'll be a little bit more information. will probably come out in the next week or so. But we are, a, we are a body of people who believe in the power of prayer and fasting. Every Sunday night, sanctuary is in here. It's an opportunity for you to come and to pray and to be with one another. Every Tuesday night during term times, again in here, we pray, we worship, we lay hold of God, and we look for him to do what only he can do. Because when he does it, he gets the glory. When we do it, people think, oh, that's nice. I don't want that. Lord, deliver us from church that people look at and go, oh, that's nice. Make us a church, Lord Jesus, that people look at and say, that is God. That is God. I can't explain it, but that is God. I just want us to take a few minutes as we as we draw into a close, I'm sure in your hearts there are things burning or bubbling up that you, perhaps you've been praying about for a long time and I want to commend you for your persistence. And maybe the Father is just raising up in you again today a sense of expectation that the time is coming for breakthrough and the time is coming for testimony. And if, I just want to encourage us to stand together for a moment, shall we?